Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. You're chopping it up with Chuck today, and we are very excited to have Mara Gordon here, uh, the founder of Aunt Zelda's, and uh, is it Zalira Therapeutics? Yes, yes it is. Thank you for having me here. Awesome. Well, we are so excited to have you here because you, well, I got I got to see you live down at the Emerald Conference, and uh, would you mind just telling the audience briefly about your your background and, and what role you play in the cannabis industry? Because I was fascinated by your talk down in uh, San Diego. Okay, well, first of all, Chuck, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to do this from the comfort of my home in the middle of this crazy time. Uh, my role in the cannabis industry has always been around um, trying to determine what are the best doses and what are the best profiles of medicines and forms for treating various diseases. So I've approached my role within the cannabis industry as a researcher with an emphasis on data. Um, and the medicines in each of the companies and each of the things I've done through these years have all been around being able to determine what are the best doses for treating different diseases. Now, what I was talking about at, at the Emerald Conference was I was um, delivering the uh, preclinical research that we had done on the three major subtypes of breast cancer, utilizing a whole plant extract that we had made, uh, that I made through Aunt Zelda's, and that uh, at the time, Zelda Therapeutics, now Zalira Therapeutics, uh, after the merger, is then funding, and then at Complutense University in Spain, they actually did the research with the you know petri dishes and mice and all that. My goal is that we make cannabis so well understood that uh, uh, any physician anywhere feels comfortable prescribing or recommending cannabis just like they would any other medicine. It, see, it seems like it's more important than ever right now, given the current state of, uh, you know, the state of the state that we have people like you that are helping to connect the dots with, like you said, data. Um, because once you have that empirical type uh, of evidence and data and things like that, then all of a sudden people that maybe don't understand, you know, are, aren't from within the industry they can look at things from a uh, from a more objective standpoint. Absolutely, and and the only way that we're going to get the medical community and the and the government as a whole to accept this to the extent that it needs to, so that it, we can take it off of you know federal uh, um, schedule one and things like that, is if they feel comfortable and empowered to take back control of the conversation. I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to use cannabis any way that they want to, but we need to get enough data around this so that we can establish what the patterns are in treating different diseases. Uh, I'll give you an example of where this is a, a problem or, or a challenge, I guess a better word in some cases is, you know, people will say to me, well, why don't you name your products? Like, why don't you call it like calm? Like calm is one of the words that's like one of the uh, words that a lot of companies are using to describe their products for something. And I'll say, well, mainly because you can take that product and it'll make you feel calm. Maybe I take that product. It makes me feel like I'm jumping out of my skin. So with cannabis, you have to be very, very careful uh, how you label and claims that you make medically. And the only way that we're going to be able to get to anything around 80-20 uh, is if we have enough data in order to do that. 
it's 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 really fascinating to me that we're in the middle of this you know we're we're probably a few weeks into the uh you know here in the US we're probably a few weeks into the you know kind of stay at home all the events are canceled you know pretty much everybody's life is being affected in one way or another um by a virus and it's sort of put front and center into everybody's world how important science is and how important you know, medical professionals having access to data is because when we deal with these things without that data, without those scientists and doctors and, and everything like the epidemiologists and all of that, um, we're, we're really in a lot of trouble. And so it seems like from a perspective of cannabis, uh, even though it's 2020 and we've, we've accomplished so much and we've gone so far, um, we're still missing a lot of, a lot of data, aren't we, for, our, for the research community. Well, it's a very complicated uh, topic. It's a very complicated topic to try and get any kind of definitive answers on it because the best that any of us can do is say, well, it depends. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that level of uncertainty, because not only are we dealing with a plant that may have upwards of 500 components within it, we then have to figure out how much of each one is in there and are they going to consistently be that at that level within there and which ones can we leave out and which ones we can't we leave out and which are the most important <laughs> and in treating what various diseases. Now, the other thing is there are so many different diseases. I mean, there's over 200 different kinds of cancers alone and each one of those cancers has its own genetic anomalies as well. So when people talk about using cannabis to treat various diseases, which disease? Which ones are you talking about? Right. And for whom? Who's the population that's going to be using it? How old are they? Are they male or female? Are they, have they had, you know, what are their other uh, pre-existing conditions or comorbidities? So it's, there's never a simple answer. And we live in a world that really wants just simplicity. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a reality star in the White House. I saw somebody put on on Twitter, and I think I think that this kind of sums it up. We may have the worst person ever to be in charge during a pandemic. You know, maybe if this hadn't happened, maybe he could have uh, navigated the waters with the economy doing great and everything else. But this is a real test of you know systems and 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 governments and safeguards and everything like that. And we're all worldwide, um, you know, being tested right now. Hundred percent. So this is this is just a theory. Uh, whether you whether you edit it out or not, this is a theory of mine, and I have a lot of them. But uh, and this probably does nothing to do with cannabis, particularly. But if you remember back to uh, the 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 two thousand aughts when the writers' strike took place, yeah. uh, and that was kind of the rise of the dominance of reality TV because it was cheap and easy, and you didn't have writers, and you could just. So that's kind of when we started seeing this big surge those years ago. And I really feel like that set up the world, or at least let's say with the United States, the US, to have an environment where you have the reality star president asking the extraordinarily bipolar, not on his meds rapper uh, for advice, I mean, uh, and making, you know, on, on who should be in prison and who should, I mean, it's like, it's crazy. It's like, where are we? Is I feel like we're in a reality show and that someone's going to say, okay, cut. And then we're going to all get back to our real lives at some point from what I'm witnessing out there. And so I'm hoping that one of the 
uh, resulting outcomes of this pandemic will be that people will say, wait a minute, science does matter. You know, we've all been uh, with our heads in the sand, but all of a sudden this is really personal and it's affecting everybody. And, you know, who do you want your advice from? Do you want it from Dr. Fauci, you know, or do you want it from somebody who, you know, is selling merchandise Dr. outside Dre. of... Yeah. yeah. You want it from Dr. Exactly. Fauci or Dr. Dre? <laughs> Dr. Dre, exactly. Exactly. So I'm hopeful. And then, of course, cannabis being... Um, delegated a an essential uh, business was a huge, huge uh, hurdle for us to overcome. Yeah, so it seems to me that after you know this, um, after everybody emerges and we all come out from our home offices and and everybody's chomping at the bit to get going, cannabis is going to be able to stand on its own legs and be considered from just about everybody. Uh, important and necessary and something that that matters from here on out. Yeah, for a lot of us, it's already it's already mattered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that this is finally being able to get that respect Uh, in California after the Compassionate Use uh, Act, of course, was uh, passed back in 1996 and allowing medical the state was wise enough to leave it in the hands of the medical providers to decide what's medically necessary instead of trying to legislate it like they have in so many other places, you know, where they were having elected officials deciding what medical conditions. It's kind of like having some <laughs> clerk in an insurance company deciding whether you need to have a, a procedure or not. Right. Like, they're not qualified. It was the same sort of thing in a lot of states with what was eligible for cannabis and what wasn't. California always took the, the thing as that's a conversation between the doctor and the patient. A lot of people exploited that as a way of having easy access to cannabis uh, through dispensaries and whatnot, making medical claims of things like, you know, uh, you know, like I said before, like I stubbed my toe. Oh, I need, I need a year's supply of cannabis. And you'd go to some dock in a box and he'd write you a wreck and you'd pay him a hundred bucks or whatever it was. Then when Prop 64 passed back in 2016 uh, and then it allowed adult use in California, I've been watching this wave, it's more like a tsunami that has gone on of this rush to the wreck market, this rush to the bottom. And I've been scratching my head all these this time, you know, since you know it took effect January 1st, 2017. Like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. The same people that were using cannabis recreationally before Prop 64 are the same people with very, very few exceptions that are using it afterwards. However, people that are sick that now think legitimately they can use this without fear of you know, prosecution, et cetera, right. they're the ones. So you have all this money rushing for investment into the latest you know, uh, vape cartridge or the latest uh, whatever in the recreational. And I've been just sitting back here going, you guys are nuts. <laughs> The recreational market is so small compared to the medical market because everybody, I don't care who you are, I don't care your politics, I don't care your country of origin, I don't care any of that, everybody eventually gets sick. Mm -hmm. And everybody has an endocannabinoid system. Yes. So cannabis is a potential medicine for each and every one of the people. And the amount of money that the average... uh, cannabis patient 
and I use that word very, very intentionally, that the, the patient that uses cannabis, the, the amount of money that they spend is so much greater than the amount that the average person that walks into a dispensary that wants to know, you know, what do you got on sale? What's going to give me the most bang for my buck? And they spend $25. You know, somebody that's using cannabis as a medicine, not only do they uh, have a larger uh, amount that they ordinarily need, they have incredible brand loyalty. And they understand that once they find what works for them, they stick with it and they stay with it loyally over time and it transforms their lives. It isn't their lifestyle, it's their medicine. And I think that the, the cannabis being uh, designated as an essential service is, is in some way uh, recognizing and codifying that fact that cannabis is, is essential to a patient's well-being and health care is having access to CVS or Walgreens. Yeah, I mean, this is this is really these are these are times. Did you ever think we'd we'd be at this at this point? You've you've been you know in this industry for so long where we're where we are right now in 2020. I unfortunately I did. I didn't think. I mean, I didn't think we would have you know COVID nineteen. I mean, who could have thought that? But you knew something was going to happen. Yeah. But what I have watched is back before Prop sixty four. But I mean, before adult use, which is probably an easier way for listeners to understand it. Before adult use, uh, investment dollars were really very difficult to get for anything medical because. the investors were very concerned about putting their money in anything that actually touched the plant. Right. You know, so all the investment was in like grow lights and, you know, the ancillary businesses, you know, vape equipment, uh, software platforms, you know, devices, that sort of thing. And, and when I try to get money for anything that had to do with the actual development or cultivation or manufacturing with the plant itself, investors were very frightened by that. And then after legal or after adult use was passed, there was this this mad stampede to put money into all these you know quote unquote house of brands that had no substance, no audience, uh, and uh, the the only thing that they their claim to fame is oh we're coming out with a new skew a month so we have a new audience all the time. Well, the interesting thing about that is with the medical side of this. People want you to have the same things available over and over and over and over again, year after year. They don't care if you come out with, it's like, it's like when Coke came out with their flavored Coke years ago, people said, no, we just want Coke. We're not interested in a cherry Coke. We want Coke. And it's the same thing with cannabis. It's like, this is the product. I want a high THC to do X. I want a high CBD to do Y. These things I use and they take care of my health issues. You know, I don't really need you to come out with something else just so that you are relevant in the market. So, I mean, you know, there's drug companies that might have one drug and that's all they've got out there that's FDA approved that they have on the shelves and that's all they need to have. Right. Right. Uh, I, I think, I think uh, that we are, we are going to take a quick break right now. And then when we come back, I want to continue talking about the essentialism of cannabis, the medical aspects. And I definitely want to touch on um, cannabis for, for veterans. And, uh, and I know that's something that uh, is near and dear to your heart as well. So let's, uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after these messages. 
Today's episode of Cannabis Tech Talks is brought to you by Cerna Inc. Cerna Inc. designs, engineers, and manufactures application-specific environmental control and air sanitation systems for commercial, state, and provincial regulated indoor cannabis cultivation facilities in the U.S. and Canada. Their engineering and technical team provide energy and water efficient solutions that allow growers to meet the unique demands of a cannabis cultivation environment through precise temperature, humidity, light, and process controls, and to satisfy the evolving code and regulatory requirements being imposed at the state, provincial, and local levels. With CERNA's full suite of engineering, equipment, controls, and data collection, Cultivators no longer need three separate vendors to provide these products and services. At the same time, CERNA can leverage the data it collects to ensure its designs operate with optimal efficiency under real-world conditions. Visit www.cerna.com to learn more. That's www.surna.com to learn more. Hey, everybody, we're back to Cannabis Tech Talks. You're chopping it up with Chuck, and we are very, very grateful to have Mara Gordon here talking to us about cannabis, the science of it, um, what makes it so essential, and especially, I want to go back to um, the importance of data. You know, why, why is this data so important uh, from a scientific, from a medical standpoint for cannabis? I think that it's important to keep in mind that all data is not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make you can you can you can find logic and statistics to support any viewpoint that you want. And uh, when I first came into the world of cannabis, and I said I'm going to be collecting data, people said, you know, there's no such thing. You can't collect it around something that's as complex as this. And I thought, okay, well, you just keep having that attitude, and I'm going to keep doing what I do. And now you can't swing a cat without hitting somebody that supposedly is collecting data around cannabis. It's the new oil, um, right? They say it's the it's, new oil. Yes, 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 absolutely. The, the, the challenge is when I look at what these companies are collecting, they're not asking the right questions. And as a result, the data is just going to be accumulations of anecdotal. It's going to be, uh, if they have 100,000 data points, it's going to be 100,000 ends of one <laughs> yeah. instead of it being 100,000 answering a, a group of questions. Uh, that are relevant. And it's going to be subjective in a way that will not shift the conversation at all moving forward with the medical community. And let's keep in mind that without the doctors, we don't get the legislators. And without the legislators, we don't change laws. And without that, people are going to be hindered from having access to this. So we have to go through you know, you got to walk through that medical gate if you want to be taken seriously. And data so looking at what doctors want to know about it in order to be able to see what is working and what isn't, you have to ask questions that can be um, tallied mm-hmm. objectively. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they have scales like pain scales, anxiety scales, you know, yeah. so there's different medical scales that you can look at. Also, there's questions around usage, but more importantly, don't tie the data to things like the name of it, like Blue Dream. I mean, what a silly thing. Blue Dream, I could look at 10 different things of Blue Dream and they can be one, you know, completely different, 10 different products, 100%. I could look at 10 flowers that are all labeled Blue Dream and have them have very little in common. 
So you can't go by that. And so much of it is just people saying, yeah, I use Blue Dream and it helps me with sleep. Really interesting. Well, which blue? I, I got to see the lab results. I want to see every you know component of it to be able to track it that way. You need to see the DNA and the exactly. RNA, right? Exactly. So yeah. even if even if you don't go that, even if you just have the cannabinoid terpene profile and flavonoids and things like that, it, that could that can do. I mean, the DNA and RNA are more when you're looking to replicate uh, exactly. Okay. And and. I, my experience with cannabis, interestingly enough, is we made a decision based upon some um, not, I mean, definitely not double blind, not gold standard uh, um, data, but good enough to make the decision to go forward and that we then validated with the study that you saw at the Emerald Conference. And that is that patients do better on full spectrum um, medicines. And when I say full spectrum, a lot of the stuff that's out there that's labeled full spectrum isn't. Full spectrum mm -hmm. means that it has within it the same profile that was in the actual plant itself, not because you took it all apart and put it back together, but that you created the product out of it, keeping it intact. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm on... And by the way, we did a uh, podcast last week. We had uh, Yogi Benjamin on here and he was talking about, um, he was one of the first people that we've heard talking about this, how uh, cannabis labs are already set up right now. Um, I think he said there's something like a thousand of them uh, in the United States or in North America that are set up right now to where they can, they can test, they can be converted to test for coronavirus with the, uh, what is it, the, the PCR um, tests yeah, they just, that they just need, yeah, they just need to get the standards. Exactly. Yeah. And Canada's already moving forward with it, which is goes back to what we were talking about with cannabis being essential. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. If you've got, uh, the cannabis industry saying, Hey, we've got this testing equipment, we've got the labs, you know, let us, let us jump in and help out just another kind of cool side note of how the cannabis industry can step up and help like, like everybody else's. Yeah, and I saw the I saw something yesterday that uh, one of the companies here in Santa Rosa has retooled their manufacturing plant. and They're doing hand sanitizer. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I've also seen companies that are coming out with CBD infused in, uh, hand sanitizers, and they should we should keep track of these so we know who not to do business with after this is all over. Yeah. There are companies out there right now that are doing some of the most unethical things. I, I mean, it makes, makes me physically ill. Like um, one particular ex-NFL player claiming that uh, CBD is uh, killing and curing COVID-19. I mean, uh, here certainly his company should go under. It's just, it's disgusting. It gives the industry a black eye. You know, we're doing so much to legitimize and we're doing so much to, you know, destigmatize and we're doing so much uh, to, to drive the industry forward. And when you have some players in there uh, that do stuff like that, it's really, really frustrating because it's almost like taking two steps forward and, you know, one step back. Right. Well, I like what I always say to people, know your sources, mm -hmm. know your source. I mean, if you heard it from a celebrity, unless they're a, unless they're being celebrated for their scientific knowledge, <laughs> then that's not who you should go to for science. Yeah. You, uh, back to the, you know, we were talking about data and how essential and important it is. Um, there's a company out there. They're called uh, GoFire. 
They're based here. Oh, I know them very well. I know Peter. I know the whole group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was really fascinated because here at Cannabis and Tech today, obviously, we get to try a lot of cool stuff. You know, we have a, a, a whole team that's always looking for innovative products and new solutions coming through. And I thought that it was fascinating the way um, the um, the inhaler that they have that you can either put cartridges in or you can you can put flour in. And it's connected to an app on your phone where you can put in kind of what, what you're, um, you know, what you're using it for. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, sleepy or energy or, you know, whatever it is. And then it, it tracks your dose and then it hits you up like, like 10 minutes later to get your, basically your feedback mm -hmm. on what that did for what your condition is. So basically it's crowdsourcing uh, data mm -hmm. of, of users out there po pooling it all in some place where they can try to create, you know, standardized doses and, and things that work. Um, do you think crowdsourced data is important? Because you don't have the strict controls and everything like uh, like you were talking about earlier. I think it's very important. I mean, I've been a big supporter of theirs and I've actually shown them how to collect data, which data points to even collect at some point or another. Um, I've been talking to them for years about this and um, um, am very much in favor of this approach. Will this move it forward for the medical community? No. Sure. No. The medical community wants double-blind placebo studies. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what it does, though. What it does is it says, we have... 100,000 data points showing that when people use, you know, 15 milligrams of THC mm -hmm. uh, that also has myrcene in it and linalool and beta-caryophylline, that they're able to sleep for six hours or eight hours uninterrupted. That's enough data to then go to a pharmaceutical company or to go to a biopharma company and say, you know what, we're going to spend millions of dollars and years of our time doing studies. It's nice to already know pretty well what, whether it's going to work or not. So it actually makes it a little bit less uh, of the, uh, the uncertainty. Is it a guarantee? Absolutely not. But that's very similar to what I did, for example, with the Aunt Zelda's sleep formula. I had been, we call it nighttime. That's, you know, that's, that's as close to naming as I got is nighttime. Yeah. And um, we had, you know, many, many patients using this for years and years and years, this formula. And so Zalira Therapeutics is, you know, which was, I started it to be, to do, it's a biopharma company and it was started in order to fund preclinical and clinical trials in order to develop these whole plant products. So I was able to take the formula that we had utilized at Aunt Zelda's for years successfully and based upon the data that we had accumulated, I was able to then justify to shareholders spending the huge amounts of money necessary in order to then fund the clinical trials. And we've just completed our second phase of trials on it now so that we'll be able to eventually come out with something uh, that's, that's fairly standardized that we can make medical claims about. So that's where mm -hmm. this crowdsourced data uh, is, is uh, especially 
valuable. Also, until that happens, doctors, if given a choice between something that's perfect or something that's better than everything else, they're going to go with better or, or, or the third being 100% anecdotal and it could be nothing, no information that's validated, then they're going to go with this good enough. And that might be what, what uh, Peter's offering there. Go fire. You know, it, it, uh, it, it, that's really cool that you were working with them, you know, way back then because, uh, um, they went to the, they went to some smart people cause they're, they're a very smart company. Um, it, so doctors and nurses, I'm finding that I know, especially in States where, um, cannabis isn't legal, they don't know hardly anything at all about cannabis as a medicine. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious how you think that plays a role. Um, I'm a veteran and one of the causes that's near and dear to me is um, making cannabis or CBD available for veterans uh, as an alternative to the drugs that they're getting right now from, from the VA. And that's a huge group of people. Um, where, where, where do you think is going to have to happen for at least the VA to be able to offer as an alternative, um, cannabis, because I mean, they're showing right now that it can help with a lot of things that are, um, that veterans are, are having a hard time with, 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 with nearly half the side effects as the drugs they're getting right now. What needs to change? Do you think before the VA can start making that available for, for veterans. Very simple. It has to come off schedule one mm. because any organization, well, it's a federal agency, the, the veterans administration. Sure. So right there, they're not going to, I mean, they're not going to recommend something that is schedule one that they have mm -hmm. on the same, uh, um, uh, registry as heroin. So yeah. that's the first thing. The second thing is, well, but what could they do? So let's, let's, the, that's, that's the fact of it, that that's the world we live in right now in, in the United States. Absolutely. So with that in mind, I've thought about some of the things that they can do. Well, there's something that's available through, um, I know it's available through uh, employers. I'm not sure exactly. I, I'm not an expert by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but the health savings accounts that people have where there's mm -hmm. an X number of dollars that they're allocated that they can have as pre-tax dollars to use for uh, whatever they want, like whether for it's a gym membership or for supplements or, you know, your vitamins, this sort of thing, you know, perhaps have it be where veterans are given some sort of an allowance that's not, uh, not earmarked specifically for pharmaceuticals that they could then utilize that for cannabis until it's uh, removed from schedule one. And even after it's removed from schedule one, until it's FDA approved for uh, something other than for um, uh, spasticity with, with MS or seizures, then it's still not going to be uh, prescribed because a prescription implies uh, as a federal document. So there's a lot of things that have to happen on that. I think that more and more, the uh, from what I've heard from some vets, is the, the VA is turning a little bit of a blind eye, ignoring it. Um, but a lot of them uh -huh. are having to continue to fill, and this is just, this is where the, the lunacy and the greed of the pharmaceutical industry, because you know, it's their lobbyists that made this happen is they still are filling their prescriptions. They still have to fill their prescriptions for antipsychotics and antidepressants and insomnia and all these other things. 
even though they're not using them. Wow. It it seems to me that until it's legal nationally for medical purposes, which seems like the easiest route to go, because I think we're getting to a stage where most people uh, would agree that there's some medical benefit to cannabis, even if they're not all the way convinced, um, just for some of the the, uh, areas you just mentioned. It seems like until we are legal nationally medical, and, you know, we can deal with rec later on, let the states do that or whatever. But until we do that, it's it's going to be tough to um, help a lot of people and, and get more data and, and everything like that. Do you think that's the that's the next big domino that has to fall? And do you see that happening anytime soon? Uh, I think that this this coronavirus is going to be a game changer in a lot of ways. I think that it's it's the longer it goes on, the more of a game changer it will be. You know, when you have a government mm-hmm. that's suggesting that maybe older people should be willing to die so that the economy is boosted, um, I don't really think that that's uh, that that's that's raising the confidence in the public. You know, especially since mm-hmm. I followed. But you were going to say sustainable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Think I don't that's think that that's. I don't think that's the economy that I want to be part of. No. But I think that I think that one of the things that that is uh, is naive is, you know, people are pushing, we want this off schedule one, we want it off schedule one. What they need to be saying is we want it off of the schedule, period. Because one of the worst things that could happen is taking it off schedule one and putting it on schedule two or three or something like that, where it still has to be a pharmaceutical. It still has to be, you know, through FDA and all that. So we want to make sure we don't want it scheduled. We want cannabis to be treated. I personally think that it belongs more in the biopharma lane than it does the pharmaceutical lane because it's a multiple components from a natural plant. So this should either be closely, more closely aligned with nutraceuticals than mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals. Wow. And I think that we're, I think that the, the, re, the reality that we're moving into, and I think part of this big surge that we're seeing, I looked at the numbers that just came out that MJ Biz just published, I guess, I don't know, it just showed up to, for me today, showing the, 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 you know, shift, the significant shift down in flower and pre-roll purchases, which is where everybody and their brother seems to be, you know, going this week or last week (laughs) and going more towards the edibles because, and of course, tinctures and infused oils and things like that fall under that edible umbrella. Also, you know, the huge 29% increase in this last few weeks because of the virus, people are wanting to take some sort of control back over of their own lives and their own bodies. And cannabis is a perfect tool for that because it it is useful in so many different forms. And I think after this, the genie's out of the bottle. It's not going back in. It's been codified that this is an essential service. It's not going back to, you know, to the way it was. Absolutely. And here in uh, um, um, Denver, where, where I am, the mayor came out a couple days ago and he said, hey, listen, we're going to ask everybody at five o'clock, you know, to stay at home. Um, we are going to, um, you know, allow essential businesses to stay open. And one of the reporters said, what about dispensaries and uh, liquor stores? And the, uh, the, the mayor, he said, no, the, those are not. Uh, and everybody went out. 
Like there, everybody went out, there were lines out the door. There was no social distancing and everybody was panicking at the mm-hmm. liquor store and at the, uh, at the dispensaries so much so that two hours later they had to make a retraction and say, okay, listen, listen, we were wrong about this. Everybody stop going and trying to buy all of the weed and all of the, you know, it was, it was mm-hmm. funny to see how that played out real time because the mayor was just taking his cues. And then all of a sudden we realized, look, not only is there a bunch of people employed by this, but there's a bunch of people that if they're, if they're going to batten down the hatches for two or three weeks, um, this is, this is on their must have list. And like you said, whether it's edibles or flour or whatever, um, it is, it is more essential than ever. And, um, it's just a sign of the times. Well, you know, I specialize in working with the sickest of the sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from my perspective to not make this, uh, available during this time is the equivalent of, you know, not letting an asthmatic have their albuterol inhaler while they're having an attack. I mean, it's like, it's absurd. This is their oh. medicine, you know, and on, and as far as, you know, oftentimes people compare cannabis to liquor stores and they'll say, Oh, the liquor store, this well, the dispensary that I look at it more as the dispensary, the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, I also was appalled at the idea of them shutting down the liquor stores, not because I'm a big fan of liquor. I mean, my husband's been sober 31 years and I could take it or leave it. It's because um, delirium tremors are fatal potentially. Yeah. And if people have an alcohol addiction, whether you think that that's a good, bad, indifferent thing, whatever it is, the disease of addiction, People, people die going through withdrawals if all of a sudden you cut off their access to alcohol without having treatment beds and places to put these people, which, of course, right now we don't have. Sure, we would so, not. You know, so, so it would have just created a whole secondary uh, and potentially very harmful level of problems by not having these things available. Do people have to be able to do their bong grips? You know, it depends why they're doing it. If they're doing a bong rip because otherwise they're having uh, uh, such bad anxiety or OCD or they can't sleep, then yeah, that's that's you know we may I may not necessarily think that's the best way to medicate, but if that's the way they get their cannabinoids into their body and that's what helps them to function, then you know power to them. And the veterans, back to what we were talking about before. Uh, yes. That's so important because, you know, I know that we throw around the number of 22 veterans a day, but it's actually more that it's just 22 that we know of Mm -hmm. that each day are committing suicide um, as a direct result of the of the trauma associated with their service. And these there is there is considerable evidence that cannabis can be helpful in many, many forms for these veterans that are coming back so traumatized and broken from their, from their time of service. And the United States is, is just, you know, we give lip service to, Oh, thank you for your service and kowtow to them and then go on and give them none of the benefit that they should have, that they should reap as a result of being of service to their country. I I got news for you as, as a veteran myself and, and somebody who, you know, still, 
keeps in close contact with a lot of my friends from my unit and stuff like that. Veterans and soldiers have been self-medicating for a really, really long time. They have a extremely difficult job, extremely high stress. You know, there's all kinds of physical rigors and everything like that. Mental, they're away from their families. You know, I mean, just if you, if you look at what they do for the pay and everything like that, and you know, all they get is a thanks for your service and, and free meals, you know, once, uh, once a year at right. Applebee's. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that it, it is really important that we continue to kind of move the ball down the field for veterans to have access to cannabis. Um, and did you have an organization? Like I've, I'm really excited about the veterans cannabis coalition. Um, I got to attend an event at MJ biz, uh, that they were doing with a company called Cerna that put that on. But, um, who's operation evac. Well, uh, Operation EVAC, which stands for Educating Veterans About Cannabis, Mm -hmm. uh, was started by Ryan Miller, uh, and he's a vet himself. And I really am a huge fan of their program. Now, part of that's, you know, I know that 12-step programs aren't for everybody. Some people think they're, you know, everybody has an opinion about them. Um, I've witnessed, you know, my husband, like I said, he's been sober for 31 years. Uh, I have a lot of addiction in my family. And so I've seen that some of the benefits and one, and so the main thing that has uh, impressed me about it was that peer-to-peer support. Mm-hmm. And what Operation Evac is, is if I look at it, like what it really is, I'm actually, Ryan sent me something recently. Let me see if I can just pull a, uh, uh, it says, it says the mission of Operation Evac is to promote the growth and healing of military veterans through mutual assistance, personal development and community service. And so what they're doing is they're doing like these once a month, 90 minute peer led support groups and they're doing them uh, being sponsored through local dispensaries. So there, it's a beautiful way for people to get together. They have trauma specialists that come, they do, they teach them about yoga. It's, it's a lot of different uh, organizations that'll come together. It's not like they're doing this because they also have, have a product out there that they're selling. Um, you know, they bring in all sorts of really important people to facilitate, you know, from the mental health background and, and to help people to be able to help their peers. Because when we help our peers, we help ourselves. Uh, that's the beauty of being of service is the happiest people are the ones who do for others more than what they want to know what's coming for them. And this group personifies this. Nothing makes me feel better than seeing people come together, helping each other, you know, through this industry, through the plant as a medicine. And, um, you know, where we where we say to uh, veterans, you know, thank you for, for your service. And I always I never even know how to react to that. I feel very sheepish when somebody says mm-hmm. it. You know, I just say, oh, thank you, whatever. I'd say right now, um, you know, with with what's happening with coronavirus and everything else, the new thank you for your service has got to be for those people that are on the front lines, you know, of, uh, of medical care, nurses, doctors, even the people that are out here, you know, keeping, uh, our world going right now and out there exposing them themselves, you know, in the, in the grocery stores and to keep supply chains going and everything like that. I think it's, uh, um, it's a really, really good time to thank those people for their service because they are, um, more important than ever right now. And it's, it's uh, super important that we're all, coming together to find solutions in these really, really uncertain times. 
A hundred percent. You know, I think that, you know, worshiping the the person that has an eyebrow kit, mm-hmm. you know, online or on, you know, who quote unquote influencers. I don't see any influences out there picking lettuce in the field. So we still have food in the supermarket right now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the people I think we're getting back to the basics of what's important and what isn't. At least I hope so. I hope to God that there's some sort of a, a sea change because, you know, I, I I'm a little bit older, you know, a lot older. And, um, I, you know, I've been on this planet a long time and I've seen the, the us evolve, you know, my, I'm, I'm on the, you know, I'm a baby boomer. So I've been around a long time and witnessed a lot. And I've, I mean, what I'm seeing as far as the callousness, it's just, it's just, Never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. And the stupidity that we're witnessing so that people have their 30 seconds of fame uh, right now. I mean, I know that Andy Warhol said everybody will have their 15 minutes of fame in their life, but I think it's, it's, we've talked to a world that's so instantaneously turning. It's, you know, it's two seconds of fame and then on to the next, you know, scroll through your, through your timeline. And I think that leaving people like, veterans and you know grocery store clerks and the custodian at the hospital not yeah. just the doctors and nurses but the guy that comes or the woman that comes and empties the the hazardous materials and oh, the trash yeah. things and all of those things too and mops the floors and the cafeteria clerk that makes sure there's food for the people to eat all the way through these are our unsung heroes that I think we're all realizing wow what would really be going on without that? I, you know, would I be, you know, if I was in a foxhole, would I want to be in with the person that's an influencer on Instagram or the person who actually knows how to do something? Yeah. Right. And so I think that that is going to be one of the big takeaways is it's, you know, having what you know how to do is just making money. You really don't know how to do anything. Yeah. It's, I hope we're going to see that pendulum kind of swing back because for, uh, for a little while, man, it's, it's been pretty scary as far as, uh, you know, reality stars and influencers and things like that. And kind of an anti-science attitude, which, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, there's always been a little element of that, you know, to some degree or another, but it's very, you know, whether it's climate change or whether it's, you know, cannabis as medicine or, or whatever it is, there's been kind of a, um, I don't know, people have, uh, yeah, everybody can question science, like science doesn't know what it's talking about, like it's not peer reviewed. And I think in light of the coronavirus, hopefully, um, that is changing. Opinions are changing on how important science is and researchers are and, and you know, that it's not just about profits because there's no profits on a dead planet. And I think that hopefully we can continue to get people excited about uh, the science and, and the technology and the innovation that's happening right now. Um, it's like Neil deGrasse Tyson said, you're entitled to your own opinions, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Right. And we got to get back to that baseline where at least we can all agree on facts. And right now we're not exactly there. No, we are so far away from that. And the, and the reality is the most science uh, people that you talk to, their answer will usually start with, it depends. And with that being the starting place in a, in a nation that wants instantaneous, yes, no, right, wrong, up, down, left, right answers, they're going to be frustrated by science. So when somebody comes along and, and throws out hyperbole, mm-hmm. God knows we have a, a government in Washington now that it's, it's just about hyperbole. 
then uh, people are going to go, oh, okay, well, they're making me feel safe because, you know, I'm the best and the smartest and the only and, you know, a genius and all these things. Oh, okay, well, I can leave it in your hands and I don't have to be scared because of all the uncertainty. Well, cannabis, to, to take it back around, cannabis has a lot of uncertainty within it because there's so much variation within the plant itself. And that feeds on the dis-ease, I think, that we see with people. They want things to be exactly the same over and over again so that they can predict where their lives are going. Right now, everything is just utter chaos. I mean, I haven't left my house in two weeks. Today is two weeks. Right. And, you know, which is just bizarre. I mean, I was supposed to be in New Zealand the week before last, and then I was supposed to be in in Oklahoma, and I think I was supposed to be in Brazil right now, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> it's, it's These are strange times. We're going to be having a, a company virtual happy hour in a, in a half hour, just so we can all see each other's faces and interact while we're, while we're at home. These are really, really strange times, but it's, it's so good to have people like you, um, you know, that, that can, that can speak some, some reality and some science and some facts into this, because I think people really are starving for it. And it's just been an absolute pleasure. Um, Adam's giving me the hook right now, telling me we got to wrap it up here. We've gone over and, uh, it's been, it's been so much fun to talk to you about this. Can you let our audience know just where they can find you or if, you know, they want to, they want to reach out to you or anything like that, the best way to uh, get a hold of you? Sure. Um, uh, our, my website is auntzeldas.org. Keep in mind org. We are science. <laughs> and um, so if you want to reach me, you just can write to either Mara, M-A-R-A at auntzeldas.org, or you're probably better off writing to support at auntzeldas.org because um, I get such, so much email and that way. Uh, if it's if it's direct to me, uh, somebody will actually get it in front of me instead of it just getting lost in the stream. Um, and so anzaldas.org is the is the best place. And you know we've been specializing in treating really sick people for you know almost a decade now with doctors and nurses and whatnot in uh, collaborating with the care. So I feel really comfortable right now that we have a team with us to for patients to go to to get some sort of reassurance and not have to depend upon uh, Instagram celebrities or whomever to make their medical uh, decisions. Well, it, it is, uh, you are always welcome <laughs> with Cannabis and Tech today. You are a friend of the show. Um, I'm really excited that we are going to, I think some big things are going to come out of this for the industry, for the businesses here, you know, for the people. And I'm just trying to keep it, you know, optimistic because I know things are going to be a little crazy, um, probably still for several weeks to come. But again, it's just an absolute pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Thank you so much for making some time to come with us and, uh, and sit down and talk to us about, uh, about the science and the data and uh, what, what the essentialism of cannabis. Thank you so much for having me anytime. It's been a pleasure, Chuck. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a, a great uh, podcast with Mara Gordon. Um, if you liked it, make sure that you uh, click the like button, subscribe, share with your friends, and we'll look forward to speaking to you guys at another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. 